Hey there, sweet sister friend. Welcome back to the Shine with Franny show. I am so glad you are here. All right, now, if you're a regular Shine listener, you may or may not have noticed that I didn't post an episode on my regularly scheduled Tuesday drop. All right, well, I'm just going to be real up in here, y'all. Okay, that's how I like to keep it. I totally chickened out. All right, so you see the theme for this month is resurrection power. At the time of this recording, it is April. It is the month of miracles. There are so many amazing things, obviously, with the celebration of Easter, the death, and then the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. And I wanted to share my testimony at a little more depth. I know that in a number of episodes, I've shared pieces of my testimony, you know, kind of separately, but I really wanted to put that all together and kind of tie it up with a bow because last week I held a webinar, a breakthrough call. And I shared with the ladies on the call, you know, kind of an overview. And I walked them through literally my my years of breakthrough in pictures. And I was like, well, it started here when I was seven. And then I was going through and I went all the way to like 40 years old. And on that call, I actually surprised myself 100% <laughs> because while I was sharing, I broke down in tears. Now, if you know me personally, I'm not a crier. I don't cry very often. And that is also part of my defense mechanism from growing up. When I would see my mom cry, I always thought of it as a sign of weakness. And it was kind of like, you know, toughen up. And then also whenever I would cry, if I got in trouble, if I got punished or paddled or whatever, don't cry. I don't know if you guys ever heard that. Stop your crying, right? I'll give you something to cry about. That was a phrase that I heard very often um, in my home. So as I broke down in tears, I was just, you know, at the end of the call, I was like, oh my gosh, did, you know, did that mean anything? Well, y'all, let me just tell you, there were 22 women on the call. I got almost a dozen messages from people and a handful of them were like, thank you so much for sharing. And, you know, it just reminds me how important it is to share your testimony. So I was like, okay, Lord. So I sat with it over the next few days, next few days. And I was like, all right, Lord, you know, I know your word tells us that what we sow in tears, we will reap in joy. I think that's Psalm 126. But I was just like, you know what? All of those experiences were painful. and But I know now, Lord, that I can cry tears of joy because the redemptive power of sharing that testimony is far superior to any of the painful experiences that I've ever endured. And so, so much of my story, y'all, has been born from pain, as I'm sure yours has been. I don't know, you know, you personally, but I do know that um, we oftentimes, you know, have these terrible experiences, but as we know, God will use all things for good, right? For those who love him. Unfortunately, many of mine have been self-inflicted wounds. Okay. Let's just be real up in here. I've done a lot of really stupid things <laughs> over the years, so much so that I could try, you know, cry uh, tears enough to fill an ocean. But as I mentioned, you know, the Lord has redeemed so many things and especially what he's doing at present, which you'll hear more about in future episodes, I'm sure. So as I mentioned, this is a season of miracles, you know, in actually the month of the Hebrew month, you know, last month we had two months of Adar, which are hugely important. I won't get into all that. That's a whole other you know episode and you guys can go and study a little bit more about that. But in the Gregorian month, of course, of April, we celebrate Easter. And so I felt really compelled to share this episode with you today, not at all, sister, to say, look at me, but most importantly, to say, look at him, look at what he has done and to keep our eyes focused on him and to keep our eyes, you know, set on the bigger picture and the eternal rewards of what the Lord can and will do when we surrender it over to him. 
So sister, I want to remind you a few things that, you know, when you share your testimonies with others, it does a number of things. And so I know a lot of women say to me like, well, I don't have a testimony like yours. Of course not. You're not me. And I just want to remind you that God only made one you, right? And he designed you and he appointed you. And if there's breath in your lungs today, he has a purpose for you. So I just want to start there and say that. You know, and I love how the Lord just gives us opportunities to share our testimony. Now, I will tell you that when you have those opportunities, guess what? Oftentimes fear will set in because the enemy doesn't want you to share your story. He doesn't want to open, he doesn't want to have you open up your heart and share with a person because guess what? Then it inspires hope. And we know the one thing the enemy likes to do is kill your dreams. (laughs) He likes to kill any visions or goals or plans, you know, any hopes that you have for your future that can be found in Christ. So a few things I just want to remind you as we set the stage for this today is that when you do share your testimony, the first thing that happens is it makes you relatable. You know, Brene Brown, I don't know if you know her, but she's a, you know, clinical psychologist. She reminds us that vulnerability is not weakness, but it's a great measure of courage And I love that expression because oftentimes, as I mentioned earlier, when I would see my mom crying, I saw it as weak. Well, you know, the expression in the coaching world we hear is your emotions are a sign that a need is or isn't being met. So I say that because if you are crying, you know, oftentimes where there's pain, if you bring something up and something kind of gets to your heart and your core and you start crying, it's usually a sign of insecurity or fear. Something is kind of overwhelming you and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to feel secure in this. I know I do that a lot of times in relationships, like intimate relationships. But if you are excited and joyful that maybe you do feel confident and secure and affirmed. So let's just start there with that because When you do have these emotions, you need to honor them. We don't let them lead, but we do honor them. Because remember, you're made in God's image and he has a lot of emotions. Open up the Bible (laughs) to start reading in Genesis, okay, when when he comes to Adam. So let's just start there. So the first thing that happens, though, as I mentioned, is it makes you relatable. Because people see your story, and we know in the marketing world, they say, facts tell, stories sell. And so people want to know the story. Now, that's not why we do it, of course. We do it because we want to reveal God and his goodness and his mercy and his faithfulness. But it gives you that opportunity, that open door to connect with others. Okay, so that's the first thing that happens when you share your testimony. And so I would encourage you, sister friend, if you've never shared your story, think of opportunities to be able to share it. And again, not coming from a place of, hey, look look at me. (laughs) Okay, so the second thing that happens when you share your story, and I'm going to be very honest with this, is that it releases the enemy's grip over you. You no longer let shame of your past decisions, whether it was that abortion or that affair, or you don't let fear, you know, what others might think of you or doubt. Well, nobody cares. My story doesn't matter. It no longer controls you, right? So you allow yourself to be free of any of those external forces And oftentimes they're internal, but we don't let anything inside of us or outside of us take control. We're like, no enemy, you go back to the pit of hell where you came from. I want to share how good God is. I want to share how awesome my God is that I serve. This has nothing to do with me and my decisions. This is what God has brought me through. And then the third thing, you know, I just want to remind you too here is that when you share, it gives God the glory, right? Because you have been set free. And I... I'm reminded of Second Corinthians um, that you know that when you're being made more into Christ's likeness, that you are no longer enslaved. And I'm not exactly sure. I think it's Second Corinthians three, 
but you're no longer under a yoke of slavery. That's actually a Galatians 5.1. You no longer live under that, under that law. You are free. You are redeemed. And so we have to remind ourselves too that when you share truth, that it reveals light and love and you no longer walk in darkness. And guess what? The enemy hates that, right? We know that he is the angel of darkness. He wants you to stay in darkness. He wants you to stay at home, closed up, metaphorically speaking, of course, but he doesn't want you to share in your Bible study group. He doesn't want you to witness to the lady at the grocery store. He doesn't want that because you're possibly inspiring hope in someone else. You're giving them an alternative to living the way that they're living. And he hates that. He wants us to continue to play small. He wants us to continue to live in sheer, sheer fear and shame and regret and doubt and worry and anxiety. So I just pray that that blesses you, that if you have been tempted to share your story, or maybe you've been afraid of sharing your story and you know, asking yourself like, well, what does it matter anyways? No, you matter. And ultimately, y'all, the title of this episode is Your Story, His Glory, you know, how your testimony is bringing hope to others. So as I mentioned earlier, you know, that we no longer live under that yoke of slavery. It's a reminder too, that you no longer live under the law. And Philippians 1, 6 reminds us that we are a constant work in progress. And, you know, I love that we're also in process. You're never going to fully arrive until the day that Jesus returns. It tells us in Philippians 1, 6. So don't think that you have to have it all together because let me just tell you, sister friend, oh Lord of mercy, I'm far from it. (laughs) So even though I've had breakthrough in a number of areas, I still have to circle back. I still have to go back and muster strength and courage from those times where the Lord has revealed himself and has shown up. And it's the same thing with you. You might get to that next level, but you might still struggle with something, but it doesn't mean that you can't help and witness to someone. I actually have a whole episode about that in terms of, um, you know, following a leader kind of thing. And I talk about a sensei is, you know, having a mentor and a disciple, you know, discipleship partnership is huge. And so I talk about how the word sensei in Japanese is not, you know, a teacher. It is one who has gone before. That's the literal translation. So you have gone before somebody in some area of your life that is going to then help someone else in their area of struggle, their area of right now weakness. So you can come alongside that person and say, hey, let's do this together. This is something I still am challenged with. But I do know a few things and I can help you with that. So, all right, that kind of like just sets the stage, I hope, you know, to to hear what the Lord and the Holy Spirit might be speaking to you about sharing your own, um, you know, story and just really opening up an opportunity to be able to witness, to show people the glory of God. So remember that darkness does not want you to be exposed to light, right? So I love how Tony Evans, he says that Satan and his... um and his demons, that they're like cockroach. They're like cockroaches, pardon me, that they scurry in the presence of light. So a cockroach is going to go ahead and scurry to the corner, the dark corner in the recesses of a room, because as soon as light is exposed, they're like, oh, shoot. (laughs) They have control, right? They're going ahead and they're tapping into God. And that's exactly what we want. So today I'm going to share just a 30,000 foot view of my story because it is the month of resurrection and it is the month where God is redeeming so many things. 
and you know, not only in my season of life, but just so many people that I'm connected to right now, I'm hearing so much. And in my own specific life, and I can't wait to share with you guys soon, but really since January, I've had extreme financial breakthroughs. I've had amazing, you know, I've, I've been introduced to this amazing man in my life. Um, you know, business development has been great and opportunities there have been just awesome. And God is faithful, sister friend. And if you're right now going through a challenging time, I just want to encourage you to stay the course, remain steadfast. And so it's no doubt that I'm stepping into some of these areas of breakthrough and the enemy wanted to say, your story doesn't matter. You shouldn't share that. And the Holy Spirit was like, girl, it's time. And I actually bore witness to that two times yesterday, two friends texted me and said, it's time. And so perhaps that's a two for one for you, sister friend. Perhaps this is your time too. So I'm reminded of one of my favorite scriptures that the Lord imparted to me in 2015 of Isaiah 61, that we have come to set the captives free. Now, my name means freedom. Francis means free. But sister, that is for you too. As a believer, you have been called to set others free. You have been called to go and make disciples of all nations. And that, of course, requires um, us really being obedient and helping people break free of their former ways of living, of their past yokes of slavery. So I love how Revelation 12, 11 reminds us that it is by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony that people are set free. People are saved. Salvation occurs. So we know the word word um, in Greek is logos. And it is by the word of God, sister friend, that is confirmed in truth that sets us free. So it's no doubt that your word of God is also, but you know, your word of how God has worked in your life is also setting other people free. So I'm not going to, going to go into all the details, rather, but skim the surface here today of some of the miraculous things and the redemptive power of God at play right now and present. And I'm not sharing this again to say, look at me, but really to inspire you, sister friend, to also then share your story with others so we can continue to fulfill the promise of Isaiah 61 to help set others free. So we're going to camp out here for a little bit. And I want you to know, um, you know, that I talk openly you know, I can talk openly today without crying um, because of where the Lord has brought me. I've done years and years of therapy. I've done conferences and retreats and, you know, Bible studies and so many things. And so some of the things might seem as though it's, I'm almost callous where I don't really have any, you know, emotional attachment to it. And part of that is just because of the healing power and salve of the Lord, because he has been like, that's no longer your identity sister, right? He calls me baby girl. And he's like, baby girl, that's not, that's not who you are anymore. You don't live in that house anymore, right? If you move from a house, you no longer can go back there and just walk in the front door. I don't own that anymore. I don't have the keys to that. And so, you know, I can remember a time where I suppressed all of these feelings and maybe that's your story and I covered them up. And the Lord was like, no, we need to open that up. And it became like a Pandora's box. <laughs> but for so long, I wanted to, you know, portray, portray, pardon me, and project a perfect image, which y'all, it is the furthest thing from the truth. I am so far less than perfect, but it is where the cracks that he can, he can shine through. And so it's because of Jesus, Jesus, pardon me though, that I am made perfect. It is in his righteousness. And that is the exact same for you. So don't worry that you're not perfect, but in him, you are. You know, we are constantly striving to look a certain way or to, you know, use this filter, do, do something. God's like, you can take all that off. You can show up here naked and unafraid. All right. So maybe that's going to be a new episode title, Naked and Unafraid. 
So it was really in July 2020, y'all, when literally this Pandora's box started opening up. So even though I've been in therapy since I was 27 and I'm now 46 at this time of the recording, um, you know, I really had been on this journey, but the Lord started opening up things to me through a very um, deep spiritual realm. You know, I received my prayer language and I started really into some sozo healing. And if you don't know what that is, I would encourage you to look it up. Um, just such an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to get to the root of the source um, of wherever that wound occurred. And so for me, it was pain of rejection. And so I was working with this healer and this is all faith-based just so you know, it's not like some woo-woo, like, you know, crystal reading some vortex or something like that, (laughs) but we were working through some things. And on our very first session, which was almost five hours long, you know, I tell her kind of like a little bit of the reason why I'm, you know, I'm calling and reaching out to her. And she's like, okay. She's like, well, why don't you start with where, you know, where and how you were conceived? And I was like, okay, we're, we're not going to go there today. And she was like, no, we are. And I was like, oh gosh, you know, and like, that's kind of weird to think about like, well, how were you conceived? And as I unraveled the story a little bit and I told her, I said, well, my mom was taking birth control. You know, she really wanted kids and then she stopped taking it, but didn't tell my dad. And then she got pregnant and my dad was really upset and he was upset, you know, and he's, he was very abusive. And so, you know, took that out on her and all the things. And she said, you know, well, I just want to remind you that you were born in sin. You were born through betrayal. You were born through lies. There was lust. There was, you know, abuse. There was deception. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, what does all that mean? She was like, so you came in being rejected. She was like, your dad didn't want you. She was like, and there was rejection upon you even as a child. So she said, the enemy knew that and has played into that in every area of your life since then. And y'all, that hit me like a ton of bricks. And so I'm not saying that your story goes all the way back to conception, but we do have things in our past that have definitely contributed and are factored into our areas of pain. And so I was blown away by that. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so it really encouraged me then to start looking at the patterns and looking and seeing, okay, when was the next time I experienced that? When was the next time? And so for me, y'all, like, I'm just going to kind of connect the dots. And, you know, Steve Jobs says, you know, you can only connect the dots looking backwards. I really, as I sat down and I started meditating through this and started praying through this, I had to go back to every single one of the places and spaces and look people in the eye and go through the healing and replace the lies that they told me with truth. Now, I'm not talking, I really went back to the people. Some of the people have passed away or don't live here or, you know, they're not part of my story now, but I had to go back in the word and walk through this. And so, you know, after I was born, then it was physical abuse for my dad, you know, paddling me, you know, he had a board on top of the um, refrigerator and would take that down and we would put little tally marks every time we got paddled, Um, you know, putting my face in my diaper. And he would tell me about this. I don't remember, of course, but I was potty training at a very early age, less than 15 months old, which if any of your mamas out there, (laughs) you know that that is very early. Oftentimes it's two or three, sometimes even four. But because of my fear, you know, obviously it was something that was ingrained as a small child, but my dad told me that yeah, I would put your face in your expletive diaper. And, you know, as a kid, I didn't really understand what that meant, but there, there was trauma there. There was definitely trauma there. And so is it no wonder that I hate being dirty? Is it no wonder that I've struggled with going to the bathroom? You know, it was like an, an on-demand thing. And then of course I was, you know, my sexual abuse, um, you know, and I was told, you know, from my abuser, this is our little secret. I love you so much. I just want to be, keep this between the two of us. Y'all, like I was giving blowjobs before I was five years old. 
Sorry if there, if this is some real talk up in here today, but that's how I'd like to keep it because, you know, there's an issue with that. Like throughout my years of promiscuity, you know, later in life when I was in my teens and twenties, that's how I felt like I could give love. So that's what I did because that was my way of receiving and giving love then. And so then that led to, you know, other spirals, of course, where then I began seeking love and acceptance and approval. As I mentioned, you know, there were lots of boys, boys in our neighborhood. I have an older brother and then two younger cousins who are like brothers to me. And so they had tons of friends and there were very few girls in the, in our neighborhood. So guess what? I started talking to the boys, you know, and I started doing kind of cool things. Like I would bring my brother's transformers to school to try to get the attention from boys. I wanted to be the cool girl. I wanted to have that, you know, adoration from them, even though it was not true. It was not genuine. I even, you know, dove into WWF, which is the wrestling because I was like, oh, guys like that kind of stuff. Right. And it was physical and it was active and it was aggressive and I could get the attention from them. And then of course it led into eating and it was my control mechanism. I couldn't control what was going out outside of me, but it was my companion, my confidant, my comforter. It became everything that I could control because my circumstances were out of my control and it also didn't talk back you know, but it was full of false promises, you know, eat this and you'll feel better. I never felt better at the end in the moment I did, but it was fleeting. Then that led to alcohol, you know, through high school and college, you know, there was so much peer pressure and it was a way for me to be accepted. It was a way for me to let loose with my inhibitions and numb the pain for even a temporary time. As I mentioned, promiscuity was definitely part of my story. Sadly, it's, it's a huge part of my college years. Um, you know, and even in college, there were, there were so many times, oh my gosh, I would kind of, I don't want to say date because I never really dated them, but I would hook up with guys who had girlfriends. And again, that was another mechanism of control where I felt like, oh, they don't know. Like it was almost like this sneaky feeling of like, oh, if they only knew and I could control the way, you know, if the guy was like, you know, if I could look at him when we were out at a party, like if there was a sign, you know, that I was going to connect with him later that night, just terrible, terrible, terrible control mechanisms. And then when I um, graduated from college and I moved to Florida, that's some of you know my story. That's when I became obsessed with exercise. And because at that point I was, you know, 300 pounds, went to the gym and then I lost weight and then I started getting a ton of attention. And so I was like, oh, this is, this is going to work. So I started doing like two a day workouts at the gym. I started counting all my calories. I had little notebooks that you would buy at the dollar store, little spiral bound ones. I would keep it in my little pocket. I had a pedometer. Like I would wear my pedometer to the bathroom. Like if I pulled down my pants, I was like, oh, that counts as a step. That's movement. Like obsessive, obsessive. And thank you, Lord. And thank you, Jesus. You've delivered me from that. And then I got into debt. You know, I was almost $20,000 in debt because it was one of those, again, a control, that quick fix, like that dopamine rush when I went to the store. And again, thank you, Susie Orman, (laughs) for helping me get out of debt. Thank you, Dave Ramsey, for helping me walk through that. You know, I now live debt free and it no longer controls me. That excitement of, you know, making a purchase no longer controls me. And then it became complete legalism where I was going to church two and three times a week. You know, I, I read the Bible cover to cover. I was leading girls groups. I was, you know, participating in women's events and I got so extreme. I didn't, you know, drink at all. I was like, I'm quitting cold Turkey. I started running half marathons. Like, again, these all became like, they're all good things, but they became ungodly things because they were obsessive. And I was like, well, if I could only run this and I can control how much I run and how fast I run. And it became more of the Franny Fultz show, right? Versus, okay, let's let God, you know, take control show. 
And then I went to school, I got my master's, and then I started getting all these side hustle jobs so I could look busy and I could be self-inflated where people are like, oh my gosh, I don't know how you do it all. And I was like, yeah, me neither. You know, like I was so self-righteous. My righteousness was not in Christ then. And it became a look at me kind of complex, right? Like, look how awesome I am. Look at all the things that I'm doing. Look at all the ways that I'm making money, you know? And I felt like at times, you know, when I was going through counseling during this time, my counselor kept saying, your dad is no longer here for you and you don't have to prove anything to him. And I was constantly seeking his approval because he used to tell me as a little girl, you, you won't, you'll never be anything. You're not going to amount to anything. And so I was constantly striving and coming from a place of desire to seek his approval, which he was never going to give me. I only needed approval from the one capital letters, our ultimate father. And so then, you know, I swore off dating. I was like, okay, I'm going to be focused on being the one rather than finding the one, you know, and that was extreme, you know, but really y'all, that was just protection from rejection. I was like, well, if I don't put myself out there, I won't get rejected. And let's just talk. That's a whole other ball of wax. Okay. I then started shine, you know, shine with Franny. And it was more like a, you know, kind of like a expensive hobby at the time, but I wanted to prove to other people that I could build a business without having a business degree. People you know, people said to me like, how are you going to start this? What are you going to do? Are you going to be an LLC? Are you going to be an S corp? And I was like, I don't know. I'm like, I'll figure it out. Like God's got it figured out. Now to his credit and his grace, he has definitely kept me <laughs> more than afloat. He's, he's so gracious, but I really had no clue. I mean, thankfully over the last seven or eight years, I've been able to put it together. Right. So it was right before my 40th birthday though, that it was my extreme rock bottom where I consider that to be my worst kind of season, if you will, because I was so angry at God. I was just so upset that he had not air quote, delivered on his promises of what I was doing for the last 10 years from 30 to 40. I was like, I'm just going to, you know, dive into the word. I'm just going to serve you, Lord. I'm just going to, you know, you're my end all be all. You're my husband. You're my, you know, spouse, my companion, all the things. And at that point I was so angry at God because I was turning 40 and it was almost like that midlife opportunity for me to break down. And I entered into a three-year extramarital affair with a married man who, guess what, was part of the church. So there's that. And I had known him for seven years and it was just almost the divine storm of, you know, wrong place, wrong time, because I was so weak and the enemy knew the enemy knew and somebody was paying me attention. And I decided to, you know, end this little hiatus of my, you know, 30 to 40 something. I'm like, I'm turning 40. I'm going to go all out. Right. But praise the Lord that he made a way out and he redeemed it. Just like we're reminded in Hosea 2, 12 through 14, you guys, that's like an anchor scripture for me. But he did. He called me into a desert. He spoke tenderly to me and he definitely made my areas of despair and hopelessness into doors of hope. And that's scripture. So I would encourage you to go and check that out. So sister, those are kind of some of the areas where the Lord has met me. The Lord has spoken to me. The Lord has redeemed me. He's delivered me from so many of those things. Now, it's not to say that I don't struggle with those things, but I just don't quit. I just don't give up. Even during the time of the affair, I would read my Bible daily. I would weep. I would cry. My Bible has tear stains all over it because I still, like David, was seeking him. I'm like, Lord, I am a woman after your heart, but Lord, I am so full of shame, so full of sin, so full of regret. And the Lord's like, but I love you. And, but I love you. And so I pray that that's a word for you, sister, no matter what you've gone through, that he wants to remind you, but I love you. 
So as you can see, I am by no means perfect. <laughs> and these events are opportunities for us to look and see, wow, look how God has worked. Look at how he has restored and given her a double portion, beauty for ashes, right? He has restored what the locusts have stolen and he is just redeeming and just paying it forward. That is what my highest hope and prayer is, that he freed me from the shame and the guilt and the fear, the sadness, the rejection, the pain, all those things so much more, sister. And I refuse to let the enemy keep me captive. And that is why I'm sharing that today because I refuse and I will stand in the gap for you and will refuse to let him keep you in bondage as well. And my prayer is that this inspires you and it inspires perhaps somebody who, you know, is in your circle, your inner sphere of influence. And you say, Hey, I think this story, or I think that this might help you and serve you to share your story as a reminder that beauty can come from ashes, right? We know that God will refine things through fire. Things are purified. That's how gold is made, you know, so pure. So God, sister friend, is a redeemer. You know, look at the story of Ruth. Oh my gosh, he is such a redeemer. He will give you buckets full, baskets full to pick up. He will leave those in excess. Just like every single time Boaz left extra for Ruth to go and glean from the fields. God wants to give you extra for what you've endured. And he is just, oh my gosh, right now, Lord, Lord of mercy, thank you so much. I just can't tell you. And, and one day soon, I will be able to tell you just the ways in which he's working. I will share more because I'm just in awe, sweet sister, of what God is doing um, because he's just, he's good. He's a good father. And so I, you know, accept that invitation to walk fully and, and fearlessly into freedom. And I want to invite you to come with me on that, right? And so... In the last few months, I've been working with a coach and when I was like sitting down and I just started writing out all these things, I'm like, okay, this is where I've been broken free. This is where I've been broken free. This is where I've been broken free. And I was like, wait, even though the Lord calls me baby girl, my name is Francis. And so I came up with, I'm like, look, I'm doing everything that I do from here on out for shine is freedom. And everything I'm doing, of course, because of shine is light and how God exposes and gives us light to be able to walk in freedom. When he exposes things, he lights the way he lights our path. And so I've designed what I've called the freedom experience. And sister, it is a journey and adventure. It is discovery of some of these places and spaces that need illuminated and that need to be exposed so that you can live to inspire hope in other people. Remember, your story is for his glory. And I just was laughing when I was coming up with, you know, when I decided I was going to do this whole freedom thing and I was looking at the Hebrew months and, you know, kind of putting all these things together. And I was laughing so hard. I'm like, the month of April <laughs> is the month of Nisan in the Hebrew in the Hebrew calendar. And I was just laughing because the emotion attached to it is hope. I was like, you've got to be kidding. The blessing attached is redemption and freedom for the month of Nisan. The area of healing is enslavement. Like, I can't make this stuff up, y'all. Like, and then, of course, the warfare that we fight with is declaring blessings over our negative situations. So right now, sister, I would encourage you, what are you hoping for? What do you need God to redeem that only can happen when you break free, you know, and you get rid of that enslavement, that area of, you know, bondage, that stronghold that you've been struggling with your entire life? And then how are you going to walk in freedom as you declare blessings over these negative situations in your life? So 
I love how, you know, if you know me, I last year I was, my word was hope for 2021. And I have it on my vision board and it says, help one person every day. That was what the acronym HOPE meant. And so that is what I pray is that you will experience in, the, in your newfound freedom. So as I mentioned, the freedom experience is not a retreat. It is not just like a women's retreat. It is an immersive weekend dedicated to you spending time with the Holy Spirit and letting him just lavish upon you with love, letting him just open up those places and spaces that just need to be filled with love and just need to be filled with acceptance and adoration of who you are as a daughter of the King. It all goes back to our identity of knowing who God is and who we are in him. So this is a time for rest from your everyday life. It's a time to just be still and be quiet and journal and reflect and hear what God has to say and let him soak you in his love, in, in his sunshine, S-O-N, in the sunshine state. No doubt, of course, there's always an opportunity for, you know, laying by the pool and walking to the beach and all the things. So I really want this to be an ultimate, you know, weekend getaway for you to really just carve out time to be still with the Lord and get to experience him and la- have him lavish upon you. So there's so many fun experiences. You know, I have a personal chef coming, lots of healthy food. We've got a masseuse coming, actually a couple masseuses coming. Um, we're going to be doing the ultimate freedom experiences, parasailing. I don't know if you've ever seen those, um, like big parachutes that go up off of the back of a boat and they fly over the ocean. Yep. We're going to be doing that and aerial self. Aerial Silks Fitness Class, much like a Cirque du Soleil kind of class. And of course, there's going to be lots of sisterhood, lots of time, as I mentioned, to go to the beach and to, of course, you know, spend time at the pool and really just to slow down a pace of life, our pace of life, and really just kind of get personal and just have time for the Lord to speak to you, um, you know, in just newfound ways. It's going to be amazing. So I would encourage you, there are only eight spots. I want you to go and complete the discovery form. It is on my website. As soon as you go to shinewithfranny.com, it says, you know, tell me more about the freedom experience. Now these eight spots are going to go fast because there's an early bird and that ends on April 15th. I chose tax day. I think they actually extended tax day this year. So, but I want you to go to immediately, immediately to that link. If you feel like, you know what, there are areas that I need to break free from and I really want to devote time and energy and money to going and doing that, that I feel like this is so important. And one of the ladies at last year's retreat said, you know, I couldn't afford to come, but I couldn't afford not to come. And let me just tell you, sister, one weekend breaking free can be a lifetime of freedom. And it's going to be worth every single, every single, um, you know, reason to get there. I would encourage you to come. So go and check that out. And I would encourage you to go ahead and make those you know, plans today. It is May 12th through the 15th. I would love to have you there. It is going to be a weekend like no other. It is going to be worth every single ounce of energy to get there. All right. I pray that this blesses you, sister friend. If this does, one, let me know. I love to know how the Lord is working. Um, I always just love hearing how the Holy Spirit ministers to people so differently. So let me know. And then of course, Share with others. If you feel like this is something that another person can benefit from, share it. Okay? All right. And then, of course, don't forget to go head over to Shine with Franny. Click on the website and click on that Freedom Discovery form. And let's get you registered. All right, sweet sister. Until we meet next time, keep on shining.